0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Matthew in the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the East came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. Until it stopped over the place where the child was when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy on entering the house. They saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him (coughs) homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They left for their own country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: Good morning. Can you hear me? Before I get started, I'd like to uh, just let all of you know something. I'm sure that most of you know that uh, I'm Baptist, uh, Southern Baptist, to be uh, specific. That uh, I'm just a country boy from Midland, Texas, trying to find my way in the big world. But I did have to make Father Tony two promises. The first promise was that I would stay put. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the second promise, because you know how we Baptists can be, that I would keep it to a reasonable amount of time (laughs) to try to confine a Baptist preacher to ten minutes or so, almost unheard of, you know, I was like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do with that? It takes me 10 minutes to get started, to figure, out how to figure out how to get the plane in the air. So with that said, I'd just like to thank all of you for your warm welcome, to say Happy New Year to, uh, New Year to each and every one of you, grace and peace to each of you and your family, and uh, let us pray. Gracious and loving God, our Father, I ask that the words of my mouth, And the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So as I thought about um, being here with you this morning, I had a little time to think about it at home with my wife over the new year, to think about coming into a new year and We hear stories of new beginning, and we all embrace New Year's with a sense of anticipation, expectation. We always make promises, resolutions, and sometimes we tell small lies. You know, we say we're going to lose 30 pounds. We say we're going to read these many books. We say we're going to be nice to our neighbors. But we're going to try to be a little more realistic today, and we're going to think about what these texts mean. These four texts that I tried to look at being a Baptist, you know, we want to deal with the text. First time I went to a non-Baptist church, I kept thinking, well, what is the text? They're not talking about the text. And then I figured out they really were talking about the text. So please be patient with me. But I wanted to think about how these texts sang together in a chorus, this quartet of hope and of heart and of love, and of journey. What can we glean from these texts that will allow us to find meaning in a new year? As I looked at the text in Jeremiah, I I thought about hope. Not the hope of a people, but the hope of their God. You know, I hadn't preached in in a while, so I was a little nervous about preaching, And then you open up to Jeremiah, the consummate preacher, the one sent to God with a word for God's people. And all of the nuances that a hope of a God has for his people. Certainly, in his words, there is correction, and there is consternation, and there is the frustration of God with those whom he has shown kindness to, he has led, he has been with. But as you look at this particular text, I would call it um, Jeremiah's book of reconciliation, of consolation, of comfort. That God is reassuring his people that his hope is not far from them. But not only is his hope not far from them, But God himself has a plan for them. As I thought about the psalm, the psalm is connected with the heart. The psalm talks about people who not only want and long for God's face and place, but want and long for God's presence. It is not the temple, it is the presence of the divine that they expect to find there that makes this long journey worth it. And as we enter into this new year, some of us with a few more gray hairs this year than we had than last, I will be 43 on the 26th of this January, we think about these journeys and the longing that these journeys engender in us. We think about the arduous tracks that we've had to make. Some of you know a little bit about my story, that I've been homeless before, and I've been hungry, and I've slept in some places that many of you would never even dream of sleeping in, that I've had to endure certain things, but none of those things do I think about in a negative way because it was a plan and a purpose. It was a journey. And that journey helped me find meaning in where Paul places us in Ephesus, in his letter to the book of the Ephesians. You know, when Paul wrote that uh, book, he wrote it from a very uncomfortable place. He wrote it from uh, being incarcerated, I guess you would put it. He wrote it from prison. He wrote it from not having freedom. He wrote it from not being able to be comfortable. But in this book, he talks about, especially this first chapter, love. He lets us know that this hope that God has for us and this heart that we have for the divine brings us to a place of love. Love is a very difficult thing. If you would listen to Paul Tillich, Tillich would say that love is a moving power of life that brings about unity of the separated. He would challenge us with a self-giving love that is purposeful about conferring value upon the other. A love that both connects and values to those whom you are connected to. I spent last evening talking to a young man in a coffee shop who was uh, uh, an engineer, a very bright young man uh, who's uh, Asian, and uh, his father is uh, a philosopher uh, educated at Oxford, so I'm sure you could, you know, uh, think about some of the things that he was saying. But we talked about connectedness. He asked me the question, do you believe that people long for God, or do you believe that we live in a world now where God is becoming obsolete? My response to him was, was it really isn't about people longing for God because if you look at the numbers among churchgoers, the numbers are going up. That people are considering themselves more spiritual than even in times past. But what people are looking for is a connectedness. Paul says that this love is to bring about the unity of the Spirit, that we are a family, a community, being built up in love. That love is the very fiber and fabric of what this tapestry that we embrace is. It is this love that brings us Southern Baptists all the way to Massachusetts, to Trinity Episcopal Church. A place completely outside of my paradigm. Culturally, in some ways, my faith tradition, theologically especially, but also the fact that, you know, it's a little uncomfortable for me. It is this love, it is this love that allows a people, the people of God, in Jeremiah, in the song, and those people to whom Paul is writing to, in the fulfillment of the will of God, bringing about a reorienting of things, for God is inviting all people in. That brings us to the gospel reading. When we look at this between the psalm and Jeremiah and Paul, we're looking at some 800 years. And I ask myself the question, what thread holds these things together, holds these texts together, allows us to find meaning? And I think that it it is in the gospel reading. You know, I had some little notes And I hadn't even looked at one of them. I guess I better get back to my
0: notes.
1: (laughs) But I don't think the notes are important this morning because many of you, although you've seen me here, aren't very familiar with me. And I really believe that today is about you kind of getting to know Ken White. And that's why I believe that the gospel reading is so important. So I'm going to use my little short time left To to just talk about this gospel reading and allow us to be immersed in this journey. The journey of these wise men following a star. You know, if I were to, to think about the incarnation, I would think about it using this word. God entering into human messiness. Don't you think that that seems uh, very appropriate? When you look at the journey, you look at these men on a long journey, carrying gifts. And I'm sure that we've seen many pageants where children come walking down the aisle, and they're neatly dressed, and they have on king's robes. But is this really the story that you would find here on this night in Bethlehem, where men have journeyed from afar? I think we would rather find tattered clothes and maybe worn-out shoes, than we would find men maybe hungry and thirsty, seeking for the Messiah, and they go to King Herod, King Herod, who practices deceit and subterfuge to try to find uh, the Messiah. You would find priests and scribe uh, uh, teachers who aren't quite sure about this Messiah. Who, who know that this Messiah wouldn't be coming on the scene at this time because the Messiah is coming on the scene to do some specific things at a specific time. So you've got all of this doubt. You've got all of this deceit around it. But you've got these men who are following a star into the night. What do these men find in this star? Uh, find, find at the end of this journey. They find a babe. In tattered clothes in a place that would be the barn of the house with all of the smells and all of the sights that come with that with the messiness of humanity Hick would say, dealing with Irenaeus' work Hick would say that it is God entering into our messiness that keeps men from being just apes that it is our potential to both make messes and to overcome message with the presence of God that makes us so very human and keeps us so connected, that allows us black and white and Asian and Hispanic, that allows us Baptist and Episcopal and Methodist and Catholic, that allows us Christian and Jew and and Gentile and, and, and Buddhist, allows us to be able to enter into human community. I think that's beautiful. But I think that there's one more thing that I need to talk about before I end it. I want to talk about the star and what this star means. This star, these men follow in darkness. They are not afraid to enter into the ambiguity, into the night looking for a star, looking for what Buttrick would call an unexpected eruption of the glory, of the grandeur, of the light of God. As we enter into this new year, I would invite each and every one of us, including myself, and especially my wife. You know, being married to me can be a little tough. (laughs) Especially when your wife's a banker and my wife likes to count pennies. Sometimes I have to go and uh, tell her that, well, honey, my part of the uh, economic equation didn't work out like we thought. (laughs) But I would like to invite each and every one of us, as we enter into this new year, to find meaning in the journey of both of peoples and of a Gentile, of a group of Gentile men. Who embraced the darkness to find a great light. And what did they find in that great light? They found a God that enters into human history. That allows us to be connected with it both horizontally but also vertically. And me being a Baptist, I have to go all the way to the cross. A God that so values humanity that he becomes human in all of our messiness. Jesus had cousins and brothers and sisters and an uncle and a father and next door neighbors just like all of us. All of the things that we have to endure as human beings, God knows. He enters into human history so much so that he even endures death the depth of a cross to show us how valuable our experience is. And so I would invite us in my closing thing because I have my little closing question to ask what keeps us from being able to experience the star, the unexpected eruption of light in the darkness. For me, I would say it's control. Ken White's desire to eradicate, to navigate, to manipulate the unknown, I would invite us to think about in this new year as we embrace this reflection on the Incarnation letting go of the desire to be in control because the more gray hair I get the more I realize control is an illusion how many of you would agree with me God is inviting us to trust him why because God trusts us so much That he enters into our messiness. Isn't that a beautiful thought? I think it's a beautiful thought. So thank you so much for your patience. I hope each and every one of you have a wonderful year. I hope that this year holds for each and every one of you more than you could even hope or think or imagine. At a time in this life when we have wars, when there's illness, when there's financial insecurity, when some of us don't know what tomorrow holds, whether that tomorrow is our health or a situation with our children, loved ones, or family members, I would ask us to look into the darkness And allow a God that loves us to show us His great
0: light. Amen. Amen.